Hey everyone, I'm Louie. And I'm Valerie, and this is Musical Tangents. Where we just talk different things about music. Welcome! Did you like music as a child? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, how I kind of like got into playing music was I like begged my mom. I guess I like watched a video or like saw something on TV of like someone playing the violin. And I was like begging my mom. I was like, mom, I want to take violin lessons, please. Um, there were no violin teachers in my hometown, so instead, she got me a piano teacher, and I started taking piano lessons when I was five. That's kind of unusual. They didn't have a violin teacher? That or my mom was not willing to look hard enough. (laughs) Either way, you ended up with piano. Yeah. And I was like, I remember like, I remember going to my first piano lesson and thinking, dang, this isn't what I asked for. What do you mean? Like, like why? I wanted to take violin lessons because I thought it was so cool. Um, you thought the violin was cool. Yeah. I was like, I wanted to be that girl that played violin <laughs> when I was five. I was like, I swear, I was like in kindergarten when all this was happening. But but you you ended up with... I got piano, piano lessons and I had an amazing teacher as a kid. Um, I have no regrets now. I really love the piano. Can't say the same for the violin. <laughs> I love listening to other people play it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any untrained... Oh my gosh, I, that brings... That that reminds me. I tried to learn violin mm-hmm. for a second, just after I grew up. So like, yeah. when I got into college, I was like, let me try to pick up another instrument. I, I, I kind of know how to play guitar, kind of mm-hmm. know how to play piano. So I was like... I'll just be mediocre on violin too. Oh my gosh. It's hard. You can't be mediocre on the violin because like it's like it's so easy to play in tune. Like the piano's obviously tuned for you and the guitar you have frets. So it's relatively easy to play in tune on the yeah, instrument no, but in vi- right. on the violin no like you have like you it requires so much special training to sound good on the I, violin i i yeah i have a whole new level of appreciation for a good violinist because when as mm-hmm. soon as i started <laughs> using using a bow and make the yeah. contact i was and like it just sounds like this so- yeah this sounds like this sounds like pain <laughs> literally i I work at a um, music school and one day they had like, while I was um, just like doing my front desk part of the job, they had like a violin laying around and like no one was there. It was like a really quiet afternoon and I picked it up and I was like, I'm going to teach myself how to do this. It was not, oh, it was not, it was not good (laughs) Um, at all. I managed to get out hot cross buns and that was about it. (laughs) I, I couldn't even get through Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, so there there um, it is. Yeah, I I, haven't I, uh, a, I didn't even attempt that. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think I did get the like little main tune to Ode to Joy, but that oh, was all. It was all just by ear. Yeah. So I have like yeah. I don't know what key I was playing in or. It's what. hard. Yeah. String instruments are so hard. I, I don't know yeah. how some people do it. It's you know it's kind of incredible. However, I will say I think it was like an advertisement for one of the master classes, and it was uh, what's his name, 
a really famous violinist. Um, Itzhak Perman, I think. Mm-hmm. He was he, one of the clips that they used in the ad was he was basically saying, "I've been playing out of tune every every, every day." every year <laughs> yeah and i i was like that feels i cannot understand that but i'm sure a lot of string players probably understand that i feel better. like you'd almost have to have perfect pitch well even if you do i mean yeah. there are so many other variants to it i i feel like that's the interesting part for me now mm-hmm. like going to see different instrumentalists play in a different location the location plays a part the mm-hmm. atmosphere around the location plays a part. Like yeah. if it's air conditioned or if there's a mm-hmm. heat, you know, there are all these different components that we don't necessarily know or mm-hmm. we don't really or even care. Have control of. Exactly. And that definitely influences the overall performance. Yeah. I think. And that's one of the reasons why some people like I didn't know this. I didn't know this was a concept until like recently, but it made sense. Uh, I think it was my mom who my mom, for those of the people who are listening to this, my mom is a is a musician and she occasionally helps out like different chamber musicians and things like that. I think she was uh, helping out a church put on this chamber music. Mm hmm. They had a string quartet and a piano. So, you know, it's two violins, yeah. viola and cello, and then piano. Piano was out of tune, which, oh. by the way, it, I feel like it normally is out of tune, no matter, unless you have a specific tuner that you bring all the time. Yeah. I feel like piano is most likely going to be out of tune. Get this. She was like, the piano is not tuned to 440 hertz. So mm-hmm. the string instruments need to tune down mm-hmm. to match the frequency or at least get close to what the piano is tuned for. And I think that's kind of interesting to me because that just shows how... How it, versatile they have to be. Yes, and how inflexible piano <laughs> is. Yeah. You know, we don't have to carry around the instrument and yeah. and... It's really up to, as some people say, it's up to God <laughs> as, yeah. as for like what piano we're going to deal with. Yeah, we wherever. just kind of have to take whatever we can get sometimes. And that's the hardest part. Yeah. Especially if you, if you, well, I think most of the musicians care about the performance quality. So, you know, that's like the hard part. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have like the it event that kind of made you i really now i really want to become a musician mm. Mm. like from justin because i feel like a lot of people just enjoy music even mm-hmm. when they're growing up i mean you know i think everyone generally speaking it's very cliche nowadays for people to say i grew up where everyone in, the, in my family just loved music and that's yeah. great i think that's a great thing but there are some people who really do get driven they they get motivated to become musicians they want to yeah. take it a step further like do you have an it moment that made you i can't like necessarily remember the moment but it was sometime around like third or fourth grade 
somewhere in that age that like I don't know how I found them or like what I was doing but like I got I found the Beatles essentially Mm -hmm. like I'd been playing classical music like not playing I was a kid so I was like taking piano lessons up to that point but I maybe it was my piano teacher that showed them to me uh, the memories are all a little bit fucked up. It's been a while. But I I just, like, fell in love with them. And I kind of, like, I started at the beginning, like, their first few albums and, like, kind of their, like, when they blew up in 1964 and listening to um, their music from the early days. And then, like, as I got older, I started listening to the music. I kind of, like, feel like I grew up along with them, even though I didn't grow up in the 60s and 70s. Um, but... I guess, like, specifically Paul McCartney, just the way he kind of um, approached music. Yeah. I just found it so interesting and so captivating. And I, like, I bought, like, I went to Amazon and, like, bought a book of piano-arranged Beatles music. Granted, it was arranged horribly. (laughs) But, like, as a kid, I didn't care. I just, like, I just had to get my hands on it and I had to play it. And I just, I just loved it. And ever since then, like... I don't know, that kind of grew into finding more artists that I felt like I had some kind of connection with. And I just never left that like little obsession of like wanting to know more. Yeah, the Beatles definitely had a huge impact. And I think, granted, I'm, I'm, go- I'm going to say this. I don't listen to their late era of music. That's my I- favorite stuff. Uh, you're the the late Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> like um, like let it be, Abbey Road. Oh my gosh, is that late? Is that a late a- a period for the Beatles? That was their last album together. Oh, was let it be? Okay, okay. In that case, okay. Then I guess I haven't really heard their. When's uh, I want to hold your hand. That's early. That's, That's early. very early. Okay. That's, okay. Um, I guess it just depends on what kind of. Uh, album it is I don't know the history of mm-hmm. the Beatles as well as you do obviously but I remember the Beatles being accessible like it was so easy to access because my grand my grandma grew up in the 60s yeah so of course she had a few of their albums and uh-huh. some of their like little memorabilia things and she remembers watching them on the Ed Sullivan show so that was also something that like I could connect with her like a way for us to have like something in common and something to kind of bond with together. And I mean, the Beatles were it's it was always easy to find their music mm-hmm. or I it was it in like kind of looking back, it may maybe it was just the thing that was the most accessible to me. I think it's just easy to listen to. That it's, too. Yeah, I think that's to me is the biggest influence that I have from the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Granted, I don't think it's a direct influence to for me. Because I just I wasn't a huge fan of the Beatles, or I didn't really appreciate their music until I grew up much later. Mm-hmm. But when I think about their music, like let's just take "Let It Be" for example. Mm-hmm. It sounds simple, but I was like, mm-hmm. the lyrics, mm-hmm. the music, they all flow together so well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a great example of Paul McCartney just writing a song yeah. in his dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's always talking about he had a dream and then the, the and music yesterday just comes came, out. Yeah. <laughs> I had a dream and the music just came to me. Oh, that wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just but, dreams about a tune coming yeah. out. Um, 
But no, he's just he's a musical genius, in my opinion. Well, and what's so funny is, yeah, I think people also now it's kind of a popular understanding, but mm-hmm. we kind of know that the Beatles members did mm-hmm. not really know how to read sheet music. Mm-mm. They didn't have a formal education that necessarily taught them all these music theory mm-hmm. concepts, but somehow. They they wrote all those songs and and I yeah. I'm, I'm like listen that's that's impressive mm-hmm. you gotta you and gotta give they them some credit built a little empire yeah a they huge did. empire in the they music did. industry and now one thing that I still don't understand to be completely mm-hmm. honest I don't think any of them were really handsome <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe that's just I me I don't know I like okay I don't know. young George Harrison okay. I thought was handsome. Yeah. I don't think Paul McCartney or John Lennon were ever really <laughs> that no, good looking. I don't think any of them were ever like, I don't know. Maybe it was just like in the 60s, like a, like no one had seen shag hair yet. And they were just like feral. <laughs> oh, I think actually that is one of the things. Yeah. They, yeah. they haven't seen that before. And that was the world before social media or globalization. Mm-hmm. So... It's much easier to see like why they were so obsessed with a foreign band becoming mm-hmm. big in the United States. Yeah, because like they. I mean, came... they were the first viral boy band. I mean, yes, Elvis yes. was definitely the first. I like viral pop star. Yeah, but I guess, but I like think... they were the first like boy band and they to were, go viral. I feel like they were one of the non-American mm-hmm. born band. Yeah that became viral in the United States. But that's mm-hmm. the interesting part is that they always kind of credits, they always credited back to American musicians. Like I remember mm-hmm. who was it? I think it was Rolling Stones. They always credit BB uh, King or all of these mm-hmm. blues artists. And I think that's why Rolling Stones got their fame later after mm-hmm. people found out about them. I feel like the Rolling Stones was another big one, but they were yeah. not as big as the Beatles. No, they were at the time. At, at the least. time, I mean, they were huge. The Beatles was just so big. Yeah. They were they were they were a big band. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, yeah, and you didn't really see anything like take a hold of teenage girls that much until like One Direction. Yes, yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. That's true. They were just heartthrobs at the time. Yeah. But but not, not <laughs> I don't know if it's for the looks. Or... Are you talking about One Direction or the no, Beatles? No 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 the Beatles the Beatles. Because listen, was... One Direction I, I I have I think I think they're just different level of of looks from the boy oh. band. So <laughs> yeah, no Harry but the Beatles Styles is a cutie. <laughs> but the deny it. Beatles I feel like had a phenomenon based on their music. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's wrong for me to say. I mean, they were doing... I don't think they were doing anything... They were doing things differently, but I don't think it was like... I mean, the kind of like 50s rock era kind of yeah. had already passed through. So I, to me, I mean, maybe it sounded new to their ears, but to me, I don't think it's that crazy astounding versus like 10 years later in the 70s when you have like led zeppelin and that sound is totally different that's true 
So, Which is also weird because Led Zeppelin, I think the bandmates of Led Zeppelin is like the same age as the Beatles members. I think I they're no born in the same era. Cause, but anyway, I, I think no that's idea. really interesting. Um, the Beatles definitely was one of the most, and they were loved all over the world. Mm-hmm. Still are. Yes, but yeah, yes. Something- but like when back in back, I'm talking back before. We had Apple Music. We had yeah. Spotify. We had we didn't have streaming services. Mm-hmm. We didn't have digital distribution of any sort. Mm-hmm. Everything had to be physical copies. And yet, if I remember correctly, like my grandparents, who are by the way born, uh, are either around the time or before Korean War. So that's mm-hmm. a that's a long time ago, and they knew who the Beatles were. Yeah, I mean that. I think that's kind of crazy. Is and that- you 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 can still go to Walmart and like find there's like new CDs. <laughs> Of their music. Like, they're still, like, making they're very vinyl and still. CDs yes. of their music. Don't so know how they do it. says a lot. I wonder what their residuals are. Like, I wonder what Paul McCartney's making off of residuals. Well, there's a whole... Or that's not the right There's word. a whole debate, though. Really? Because I think Paul McCartney... I think the Beatles' discography mm-hmm. was sold to Michael Jackson. I think Michael Jackson what? bought it. I think okay. I think he I know what you're makes, talking about. Yeah, he makes so much money. I think, or his family does now. Well, I guess, but like that's my point. Is why that would I think they Michael do Jackson, that? Why did they do that? Yeah. I think Michael Jackson was just a shrewd businessman. That's what it was. I love I Michael Jackson, by I, the way. But I it's just find just, that so surprising. That's so random. Well, because Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson, for those of you, you already, most of mm-hmm. you probably already know this, but Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson worked together for a while. Yeah. I mean, they did Say, 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 mm-hmm. which was kind of their one big song. Mm-hmm. And The Girl Is Mine, which is another, but that's a different type of a song, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they worked together. And I think Michael Jackson essentially convinced Paul McCartney, I can get you more money. And basically bought the whole discography. And I think the whole Beatles profit, essentially, mm-hmm. from the music. Yeah. Goes to Michael Jackson estate. I think Michael Jackson held the copyright essentially, yeah. if that makes sense. So like I don't know. Uh is it morally right or wrong? I have I have no say so in that. I, that's yeah. be- that's between them. I know that Paul McCartney was kind of upset about that last time I heard. <laughs> And rightfully so. I honestly, I don't keep up with it that much anymore. That was like, I don't know. Just third grade me was captivated by them and their music, the Beatles in general. (laughs) And that's what like got me into just like really obsessing over music, which I, I, I don't know. I guess it's fitting. Well, and also you were learning classical music before then. Mm hmm. So. You probably felt more connected. They were still alive. Like, you know, uh, Paul McCartney was alive. He is alive. Well, he still is alive. There's a whole theory, of course. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You remember that conspiracy theory that Paul McCartney has been dead since like 1969? But anyway, my my point to that that was, I think when you were learning classical music and learning repertoire pieces or practicing mm-hmm. old classical music pieces of piano you didn't know the composers or they were already dead so mm-hmm. it feels less 
close. If that, I wouldn't I don't say know. they felt close either. I mean, like as a kid, like old people seem older. I, like you know what I mean. Like it, to me, it, it felt it felt like it was so long ago. Like wow, the Beatles a hundred years ago. I like like it was not a hundred no, years, but, but that's like it, what it felt like. Well, I think that's when you were yeah when we were all kind of yeah younger. but now i'm like oh like they were like now i'm like oh they were really young when they became popular and like i can't imagine being 22 years old and like <laughs> all of this fame hitting me and stuff like that they were good but what can i say yeah they were really good when they were young and they they i i mean they handled the fame better than i would <laughs> i guess i mean i wouldn't say they handled it well but they handled it better than i would I can't remember what uh, did, did they ever get in a scandal? A lot of scandals and a lot of scandals were over just like stupid things. Like there was one big scandal where like John Lennon, they were in this interview and John Lennon was like we've become like more famous than God. And like people that's like that's kind of oh, began the is drop that of John their Lennon? Ca- mm-hmm. that kind of began the drop of their career. Like people started burning their albums and being like we can't be beatles fans they're satanists and stupid stuff okay let me ask you this then okay as an as an avid the beatles fan Mm -hmm. who's your favorite member paul mccartney paul mccartney yeah who's your least favorite member i don't know if i have a least favorite i guess I guess John, because he was just such a, he was just a dick. Like, <laughs> like he was. And he was just like, if you've watched the like Abbey Road documentary on Disney Plus, he was just so difficult to work with. Has he always been like that? Do you know? I mean, I don't know him personally, so it's not like I can. Well, say. yeah, but like from from the interviews and things like that, do you think he was always like that? I think he was always a little bit pretentious Mm. but i don't i don't know i feel like in their earlier career they were maybe a little bit more micromanaged and then their manager died in oh so 1965 or 66 i don't know the exact maybe they were filtering him out earlier in the career maybe career and Mm -hmm. he he never really changed but more things got out of hand i guess the managers couldn't control him yeah i mean it was the 60s and they were experimenting with the um, media substances and the media oh yes yeah so they there, maybe their perspectives and viewpoints on the world were changing. See, that's... Like, you don't have... I mean, you can also be, like... You're in a different place. Like, their career really spanned the whole decade. And it's not like you can't expect someone to change. Yeah, or, like, the band was evolving. Them as humans, like, just beings were evolving. So yeah. their opinions are going to change. How they view the world is going to change. Because, I mean, they went into it, like broke essentially that's true and then they kind of blew up very quickly mm-hmm. and so i mean people as, pe- as people we were constantly evolving yeah, so that's true i you can't be like that upset with them you know yeah and i don't know i think i like their music and i i don't really know much about their personal lives clearly i didn't even know that they were doing substances and things like that but very much so. <laughs> it was the 60s. I was about to say, everybody did at the time. Yeah. And not much has changed since then in the 
realm of the world. <sighs> yeah, but I don't I I don't get into that discussion ever. Yeah, that's not for the podcast. <laughs> well, and and I think it's I don't know. Maybe this could be something that we can talk about later, but yeah. like does it really matter what the artist's personal lives are for for Ooh. the audience members? Like that's a that I, yeah that gets into the conversation of removing the artist from the art as well. Yeah, like when an artist does something horrible, but people still like their music or they still like what they're producing. That's going to be an and interesting it gets, conversation. Like, it gets very sketchy. It gets it gets confusing. Mm-hmm. I think the, for a lot of the, people, it, it the line like, becomes very we, blurred. Yeah, very quickly because, like you know, I think, I think that is what we tend to do. Mm-hmm. We definitely tend to connect the artist's personal lives mm-hmm. and what they have done in the past mm-hmm. with their current output of their productions, mm-hmm. like whether that be music, acting, actors being in mm-hmm. a movie, and things like that. Like, does that really matter? I remember um, my old high school theater director. Mm-hmm. He used to always tell people, I don't really care what the artist's lives are as long as they do a good job. But mm-hmm. at the same time, is it really that easy for us to decide? I don't know. That mm-hmm. could be a whole yeah. different conversation. And, yeah. And then it gets into, like, cancel culture. and And then it's always the line of like uh like some actor or not actors some artists can get away with it and some artists can't, can't and then right. it, it's very Where it's just draw the line yeah it's messy it's so so messy yeah it's definitely case by case for me now i had a very different route of being where i am today mm-hmm. than you did obviously i didn't study music in college. <laughs> I yeah. I minored in piano performance and I took it relatively seriously, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, I never really intended to be a musician. I think I was I had that idea when I was younger, mm-hmm. and I originally wanted to be an actor as a kid. Um, I liked being on stage, uh, being on stage. Didn't feel like just anxiety driving thing that I have to do. Mm-hmm. One thing that I do remember is I think the it moment for me, though, I, I can tell this to people is when I saw Michael Jackson. Kind of going back to you Michael, saw Jackson. Michael Jackson. No, no, I didn't see him. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was like, let what? Me, let me, let me, let me correct myself. I didn't see him. I watched his documentary. Oh, this okay. is it. When mm-hmm. that came out to the movie theaters and things like that, I remember going to the movies, and that came out in two thousand nine or two thousand ten. I can't remember. And I was like, how old was I? I was like thirteen. When I saw it, oh wow! So I, I would thir- have been like seven. Yeah, I was twelve <laughs> when Michael Jackson passed away. Like I yeah. actually remember seeing the funeral on I, TV. I remember the funeral coming on TV and like my mom being like upset, but not like upset, upset. She was just like, "Oh, well, dang!" Everyone was, I think, distraught. Yeah, because they were expecting him to come back with another tour, and mm-hmm. literally like three days before the tour began or a week, I can't remember, mm-hmm. he died, and. Of course, nobody saw it coming, but 
But then mm-hmm. once everything was revealed, we were like, oh. The signs were there. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, but I remember seeing him in that documentary preparing, which is, by the way, for those of you who haven't watched it, I strongly encourage you to watch it. It's basically a video clips of him doing rehearsals. And mm-hmm. it's edited like because they did multiple rehearsals and every time he would do something different whether it be a move or Mm -hmm. something and i remember seeing him move and sing and communicate music with the bandmates which i didn't know he played an instrument apparently he played piano i heard i thought that he didn't play any instruments he apparently did play piano he was able to play piano okay but whenever he wrote music Mm -hmm. he would always just have everything in his head yeah so but i remember getting into his music getting into his performance style and i i think that changed me Mm -hmm. i was like i like music i like music a lot more than i thought because there was another moment that I kind of had that, but it wasn't the same way as Michael Jackson. I remember seeing uh, a production of Carmen mm-hmm. as a child. I think I was like six years old. So I didn't understand anything yeah, that was happening in Carmen. Six-year-old which, at the opera. What the heck? Well, and not only that, on top of that, Carmen, yeah. which is gruesome that that there's a lot happening in that (laughs) in that opera let me just say that but it was easy for me to watch because it was not all real people let me explain the production was essentially like life-size dolls Mm -hmm. and it was like uh it was like a puppeteer but it felt like basically like a like another person would basically operate the characters and the guy who did this is the crazy part. A guy did Carmen. Oh. And he sang all of her parts in the original range. Hmm. So, like, he was, like, doing all the soprano parts. That's insane. Yeah. That was that was another life-changing moment. So, those two, those two, like, encountering Michael Jackson's music mm-hmm. and that opera, I think, really kind of made me feel like, oh, my gosh, maybe music is something that I could do. And I think mm-hmm. that's when I started taking uh, music more seriously. So, I'm late. Meaning, like... I can't say that I... I don't think there's a right timing. But I do think it's interesting. I, I we kind of have, like, a similar way of, like, getting into it. Yeah. But I think we took it different directions. Like, oh, yeah. When I listened to music or was practicing or playing the piano, it wasn't really for anybody. It was more just... It was only ever for my own enjoyment. I'd never... I was never the kid that was like, I want to be a pop star one day and like would sing for my family. Uh No, that wasn't me. Uh That was not me at all. I would wait and practice when my parents were at work or something like that. Like I didn't want people listening to me because it was the only thing I felt like I really had for myself. So it was like a personal diary. It's like keeping a diary. Essentially. Yeah. And like even like when I go back and play old compositions, I'll be like, oh, I kind of remember the phase of life that I was in (laughs) when I was like practicing these um, pieces. Um, But it wasn't until college and I met my studio professor that my kind of idea of how I approach music changed and um, how I approach performances because I hated performing as a kid yeah like the yearly piano recitals i was always dreading those 
Um, and I did like one piano competition and I hated it because I was like, this just isn't fun because I'm not like, I'm, this isn't why I'm doing this. Well, I think it it depends on personal temperament, mm-hmm. I think. Some people love competing mm-hmm. and some people, okay, so correction, some people love competing without having personal feelings attached to it. True. That's a difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's a distinction. You have four... If I break it down very broadly, I feel like there are four types of people. One one type of people who get into competition and they will fight. They yeah. will fight you. Mm-hmm. They will be personally attached mm-hmm. to all the results. If they don't place first, they placed last in their you, mind. You gotta mm-hmm. you gotta get out of that person's presence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gotta run for your life. Yeah. And then there's also people on the opposite end of the spectrum who don't like competition. And who are also attached to it, like mm-hmm. like the results. So they don't enjoy it. They don't mm-hmm. enjoy the competing part. And if they get bad results, that makes them feel even worse mm-hmm. than they were already. I feel like the middle two is basically people who don't really like competition. Mm-hmm. And they don't attach themselves to the results either. So there's no really reason for them to compete. And the last category is the the healthy competition <laughs> people, I guess, is that they like competing. Mm-hmm. They like hearing other people and they don't really attach themselves to the results. They're like, OK, well, I guess I got second, but it's it's so hard. Unlike sports. Eat, well, there's not really a clear. Was, it's kind of like all just like base. I mean. There are definitely some performances better than others, but it's kind of... Isn't it subjective, It's though? It's so subjective versus, like, in a basketball game, it's whoever scored the most goals. Well, so it's yeah. very clear. I mean, but there are those sketchy things of... I was about to say, you know, with even the refs, in sports, it can people become take, Yeah, people become very offended mm-hmm. if, if the referees don't call out the fouls that they mm-hmm. think were supposed to be fouls. So there are all these rules that you can come up with as many rules as possible, but it's not going to be possible for any mm-hmm. competitions that we know of to not be subjective in a way. I think the only yeah. difference is music, because it's an art form, there's a less way for us to be not be subjective mm-hmm. i think that's only i think that's the only difference and and anyway wait a minute so when you did competition though the the one the yeah the, the <laughs> one the one competition yeah. that you uh participated was that like what tell me about that like how was it wasn't even like you got first second third place i don't know i don't remember it that well it was in like late middle school i think and my piano teacher just at that time wanted me to do it or she kind of just made all of her students participate in it and i think it was a federation competition and it um they don't really like you're not like really placed you're just you're just given like a satisfactory and excellence or like (laughs) stuff like that like almost like a grade i was just like this is kind of stupid i'm not gonna do this again so you never thought about entering a competition ever again after that no because i'm not i'm just not competitive 
either. Are you not? Like, com- well, let's 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 okay. see. Are you not competitive, or do you get yourself attached to the results? No, I think I just like I just don't care. I'm like okay, oh, someone. I'm so like, you really have no reason for you to necessarily participate in a competition. Yeah, because I'm like I'm just like okay, they won. That's cool. Good for them. I'm happy for them. But like if I if I win or lose, like it, my ego stays the same. Like I don't care. And I feel like if you are surrounded by other competitors mm-hmm. who are overly comp- uh, <laughs> competitive, I get annoyed. And, yeah, and I'm and like, they, I'm just, they like mm-hmm. they like bug you a little bit. <laughs> they do. It. I'm just like, ugh, okay, whatever. <laughs> That's the eye roll moment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It is. You caught my eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's interesting. Different people have different ways that they become. Uh, attached to music mm-hmm. and I think that kind of brings us to the topic of is music or does music give us some kind of universal experience so like mm-hmm. let's let's kind of change the topic because I think we've talked enough about ourselves and not to not to brush mm-hmm. our egos that's probably the longest time I'm ever going to talk about myself okay but Let's talk about universality or individuality in music. So there are two different thoughts to me. I'm not talking about from the performer's perspective. Mm-hmm. We're going to go in to this discussion being uh, uh, essentially perceiving music from the audience's perspective.